0: You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You could also turn in your Bibles to 1 John, the book of 1 John. It's at the very end of the Bible. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, Revelation, right at the very end. We have been studying the book of John this last month. Did you know that there was only three Sundays this month? Because one Sunday we were at Fall Retreat. So there's been three Sundays. This morning, we're going to talk about love. Everybody say love. love. <laughs> I'm looking at a passage in 1 John chapter 4. This is verse 7. I, I count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 times the word love is going to be used in this short little passage of a couple of verses. I'm going to read 7 through 12 and just listen to it. Think about love. Think about God. Because it's all about God and love. It's like love, 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 love. Ready? It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from the Father. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because, I underlined this in my Bible, God is love. This is how he showed his love among us. He sent his only his one and only Son, into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrificing atonement for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we come to you as, as your humble servants, seeking, desiring to know more about the book of 1 John, seeking and desiring to know more about love, who you are. It says that you are love. God, would you help us understand that this morning? Can we praise you better by knowing you, uh, that uh, knowing you are love and that we can love one another as you have loved us? So Jesus, we praise you this morning. We thank you so much for being here in this room, with us, inside of us. We love you, Jesus. And everyone screamed, Amen. Amen. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good this morning. Well, um, we're talking about 1 John. There's three themes in the book of John. Do you remember them? Light, life, and today, love. I came to a crazy realization this last week. Have you ever been reading the Bible and, you, and you're like, I've read this passage before. This, this is an old passage to me. But then all of a sudden, something like pops out at you and you're like, oh my gosh, this is good stuff. I've never seen this before. Has that happened to you before? It has. That's because you're in Sunday school and you're nerds and you like studying the Bible as much as I do. And I was reading and I came to a realization, and I really did not know this before Thursday. I mean, it just didn't come to me, that the three themes in the book of John, life, light, and love, all each one of those three things, God is called life. God is life, God is light, and God is love. All three of these things. In 1 John 1, 2, it says that the life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it. And, and it says that, that the life appeared, that the life is Jesus. So Jesus is life, and Jesus is God. So we could say God is life. And then last week we talked about 1 John 1, 5, And it says that God is light. In him there is no darkness. So God is light. Pretty sweet, right? And today, we just read a passage that says, God is love. And I underlined it in my Bible. So I came to this conclusion on Wednesday in the afternoon, just reading, thinking to myself, the three themes that we've been going over are so important because God is each and every one of these themes. Does that blow you away like it blew me away? Yes, it blew me away too. (laughs) Well, welcome to Sunday School. If you're new around here, uh, we like going deeper into the Bible, deeper into theology. We're going to be studying 1 John, specifically the theme of love this morning. Next month is, next Sunday is going to be a new month, and we usually take a new subject per month. Next month is world religions. So there's four Sundays. We're going to take Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and like Chinese Taoism slash Confucianism each, each Sunday is going to be devoted to one of those four. We're going to talk about that religion, compare it to Jesus, the true, the one and the only God, and how these religions compare, contrast these religions, how we might be a better witness to someone who is Hindu or Buddhist or whatever. Does that sound like fun? I hope, I hope it'll be tons of fun for you, but today we're talking about love, and I had another thought this week. I thought, the things that we're talking about in here, as you study the Bible, as you learn about God, as you learn about the Bible, the things that we're talking about in Sunday school are eternal knowledges. They are eternal truths. And I compared it when I used to work at Pizza Hut when I was in college. There was um, these old computers that we would take orders on. Like, hello, this is Joe, Pizza Hut delivery is your order for delivery or takeout, and they would say delivery or whatever. And the computer was like an old black screen with just orange like, orange letters. Do you remember those really old computers? Like, no Windows, no, like, Microsoft Office. It was just, like, an old computer with, like, one screen on it, and and you had to hit, like, if there was delivery, you'd hit D, then enter, and then if they wanted two pizzas, you hit two, enter, and then you'd say medium, M, and then enter, and then pepperoni, P, enter, cheese, C, and enter. It's, like, all these different combinations, you hit enter, and people got really fast at like inputting like what, where the pizza was going, their phone number, the number of pizzas they wanted, and so it just we looked like da, 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 all fast on this particular system. And literally only a week after I learned that system, we got all new systems at Pizza Hut, all new computers with like real screens and real uh, <laughs> like Office and Windows and Excel, and it was it was a lot easier than just like weird orange screen. But I, I, I had this thought in my mind that all that knowledge that I learned, I mean, how to go through hours of training to learn all that. It was just dumb because the next week, we all got a new system. And so it was almost like, why did I learn that if it's totally irre, irrelevant now? And the stuff, I compare that to the stuff that we're learning about in here is eternal knowledge, eternal truths. It's never going to go bad, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, we're not going to get it like a new God or a new system and say... Man, all that time I spent in Sunday school, all that time I spent reading the Bible—it's all for nothing. No, it's going to be true even when you get to heaven, even when you die. It's eternal truth. Amen. Amen. Yes. All right. Um, since we're talking about love this morning, I thought, why not talk about my love life? Uh, as many of you know, I'm married to Erica. We've been married like ten months, and it's—it's it's going pretty well, I'd say. She's like embarrassed um she's really cool we met that would you like to know the story of how we met i i I heard a bunch of girls say yes the guys are like come on just get over it (laughs) well for the girls we met uh actually right here in tag chop i was a substitute teacher for theology for the school of worship and she was a student in the school of worship everybody say oh because it kind of sounds like a teacher student thing it kind of sounds bad but it was just a substitute teacher, and that's just kind of how we met. <laughs> it's, not, it's not as bad as it looks. <laughs> it's not as bad as it seems. Um, so we met right here. She, she may have been sitting in the exact same place. I can't even remember. All I remember is seeing her and wanting to know more about her, and she, ha- she was like constantly raising her hand and asking questions and saying cool things. <laughs> And she wanted to know more about me. She was like, "Is Joe Kirkendall married? How how do I get to know Joe Kirkendall?" And uh, and we met. We, we got to talking. I think after class we talked. I think you brought me a coffee. Didn't you bring me a coffee? Or maybe that was like the, another class. You brought me a coffee, like a mocha, and that was pretty sweet. And so uh, so she brought me coffee. We got to talk at the New Life Church staff meetings where I was a staff member. She she was an intern, so she was there, and we talked. And I told her she had good style. And uh, <laughs> and, um, and then she joined The Furnace. Everybody say, uh-oh. uh-oh. Now, The Furnace is a great program. If you haven't heard of The Furnace, it's a prayer internship that David Perkins leads. But you're not allowed to date for the first semester of your internship in the furnace. And so we both kind of liked each other. I kind of liked her, although I didn't say anything, so she didn't know that I liked her back. And she liked me, but she didn't know that I liked her because we didn't talk about it. We didn't have the DTR. It really wasn't like, it was just a friendship kind of like. You know what I'm talking about? So that's where we were at. And then she joined the furnace. And so for five months, we just kind of built on a friendship We weren't allowed to be in the same room alone. That's just they have rules in the furnace of like what it really means to date. (laughs) Because then you could just say, oh, yeah, we're not dating, but we spend every day together. And so there's like different rules they have about not spending any alone time together, uh, not calling so much. I don't know what it was. Uh, Anyways, there's just different rules. So during this time, we couldn't date. We had to build our friendship. And at the end of the furnace... um, Uh, towards the very end like a week before she was about to get out of the furnace I emailed her dad and said hi I'm Joe um blah 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 you've heard a little bit about me I would like your permission to date your daughter everybody say oh I know it's so precious and so the night the night that she graduated from the furnace uh we went and and she was all dressed up because you get graduated so I got dressed up too and we uh went out to coffee, had some Starbucks coffee. Then we were all dressed up, so we went to the Broadmoor and walked around the pond thing. Has anybody ever done that? Like the swans are there and the swans are... And, and we held hands that first night. It was just precious, just precious. And so, um, and, and then we dated for a year. And uh, actually, I should say, this is an important idea, is that when we first met, like that week that we were meeting and she brought me the coffee and we met each other at New Life staff meetings and we met in here... During that week, I wrote in my journal that I really liked this girl named Erica, that I wanted to pursue her, that I saw something in her that was godly and awesome, and I was interested in her. And if you read my journals, I'm not journaling about girls all the time. It's, like, it's more of a prayer journal. And so it was very weird that I journaled about Erica and, and thinking, I mean, I just met her, right? And so I journaled about her, the possibilities, of, of wanting to know her more. And, um, and so is that document my journal entry that um, a year and two months after dating Erica, I, we were on the shore of Lake Superior and I opened it up and I read the original journal entry from the week that I met her that said, uh, that, I, that said I was interested in her and I saw how godly of a woman she was and then I asked her to marry me, of course on one knee. Oh, it's so precious, I know. And so the question I have for you, the question, don't not, I just tell you that story just to start talking about love because um, it's fun and it's a good story and it's it's precious to me and um, <clears throat> I know and so the question I have for you to think about to discuss um, is do you believe in love at first sight is it possible that that uh, that that, that, that There is such a thing as love at first sight. Some of you would say, no, I don't believe in love at first sight. That's just a Hollywood thing. And some of you would say, yes, I believe in love at first sight. But it really kind of demands that you have to define what love is, right? I mean, do you believe in love at first sight, yes or no? You kind of have to say why. And so I've heard good Christians, um, strong Christians on either side of the issue make good points for yes I believe it love at first sight or no I do not believe it love at first sight would you take one of those two sides there's lots of middle ground but would you take one of the two sides yes or no love at first sight or no not love at first sight and discuss that in your group and you're going to kind of have to define love and if there's a girl at your table uh she gets to talk first all right ready get set go all right, you got some good ideas? I'll give you another 30 seconds, and then we'll talk as a group. All right, is anybody bold enough to, to stand up and kind of share their ideas? Anybody? Do you? You don't have to. Would you want to? All right, we have, we have, shh, I, so you're, I guess, uh, just stand up and tell us what you think about the conversation, Love at First Sight. Oh, that's good. So you believe in interest at first sight. How romantic. (laughs) Right, right. Because love, the main point being is that love is more of a choice. Does someone from the opposite side uh, that says, someone that does believe in love at first sight want to make an argument? You have to be bold. Bruce, would you like to? Bruce and then Kelly. No, ladies first. Kelly, then Bruce. (laughs) a girl a table of four girls you all believe in love at first sight has happened to you personally sweet oh if you see God in that person you immediately have love for them so you're you're saying that love isn't just a romantic thing you you would know very good thank you kelly bruce you had the next thought right <laughs> Why are all the guys cheering? i so i So you. Okay. Right. Romantically or not romantic. You're just saying. Right. And the words of love a Yeah. And so it's action. So not a feeling at all. it's not a feeling, it's a choice. And so if you choose to love someone, you can choose to love them at first sight. That's genius, Bruce. <laughs> Micah has an opposite side. You do not believe in love at first sight, right? Okay, please please share. Please share. Would you stand up so everyone can hear? You have to. Just so everyone can hear, because they want to know what you're saying. I have the feeling that you're about to make girls really mad. It's impossible. It's, you believe in interest at first sight or a lust at first sight, but not a true love. Love them. You can't. It's impossible. Yes. Would you like, would you, do you want the last word? You could have the last word. Yes, please. Oh. First time you see your child, can you love them? Truly. Ooh, that's a good argument. I see see lots of other hands. I see them. There are hands all over the room. But I want to, let's define love. Shall we define love really quickly? I think it it will help because I've heard really good, these were all good arguments on either side of the issue. Um, And so let's let's kind of, because it depends on where we're coming from. What are we defining love as? And in English, a lot of you have heard this argument before, that in English we have the word love. And love can mean various many things, like I love my wife. Like, I love God. But then, do I also love pizza? Yes. Do I also love my coffee? Do I also love theology? There's totally different things. And we all have the same word for it being love. And then we could kind of say, uh, like, the like-love thing. Like, oh, I really like coffee, but I do love my wife. There's a difference. I like my coffee. I love my wife. But some of us would just say, oh, I love coffee, blah, blah, blah. I love it. And You don't, you don't think about it, right? And then there was like, uh, like, I was dating this girl in high school, and um, she, she, it was just like a two week thing, and uh, it was pretty sweet. And she said, she said the phrase, "I'm in like with you." <laughs> I was like, "What?" Because she didn't want to say, "I'm in love with you," but she, so she said, "I'm in like with you." Is that? Can you say that? What? Wh- who, who made that up? She did. And so, um, the whole like and love thing. Did you know in French? In French, there's only uh, one word. Uh, Amir means both like and love. So you could say, I I like football, or I love football, and I also love God. And it's the like and the love is just one word, amir. And so French may even be at a bigger disadvantage. In Hebrew, there's three words. There's raya, which is more of a friendship kind of love. And all three of these words are in um, the book of Song of Solomon. Have you read the book of Song of Solomon? Have you lo- I remember I, I first saw, <laughs> this is hilarious to me looking back, but I first found, I became a Christian in high school, and I was looking through the Bible one day in a, in a church service, just flipping through, la, 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 and I found the book of Song of Solomon, and I was just like, oh my gosh, and if you don't know, if you've never read the book of Song of Solomon, it talks about two people falling in love, and it goes actually into quite a bit of detail about them um, experiencing each other. And uh, I remember looking at it and just, like, going, oh, my, and, like, looking around, like, is this supposed to be in here? Is this book? uh, It's so graphic. I mean, it talks about all kinds of things. And I remember as a hormonal little high school boy just finding this book and being like, oh, my gosh, it's so dirty. Is this the Bible? Um, (laughs) But anyways, the Hebrew, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, right? The New Testament is written in Greek. In Hebrew, there's there's three words for love. Rayah, which is a friendship kind of love, in the Book of Song of Solomon, like when they're playing among, among the fields. Come to me, my friend, my lover. Is, they talk about friends, um, raya. And then there's ahava, which is more of a, a committed um, kind of romantic, but just more of a committed love. Like maybe me and Erica on our first date. We had the um, the the, the rayah would be our friendship in the furnace. Ahava would be our first date after the furnace, and then not till after we were married, do we experience something, the dode, which which is in the Song of Solomon. It's a word that means a sexual desire that's in the Bible, and it talks about it, and it's okay if you're married, and it's a good, it's a pure, and a perfect thing that God has given us all three types of love, ahava, uh, reah, and dode, friendship, uh, committed Kind of romantic, and then doed. It's it's a great thing. It's a good thing, and it's in the Bible. the the he the That's Hebrew, and Greek. What I want to spend our time talking about, um, I put on here the four loves, and these are four Greek words for love, and uh, we're going to kind of talk about those today. the the storge, the phil uh phila or phile, the eros, and the agape. Those four different words are four Greek words for love. And um, it kind of comes, a lot of the, uh, this past week I've been reading this book. Has anybody ever seen, it's called The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. Has anybody ever seen it? Read parts of it maybe? Only a couple of us. It's a pretty sweet book. It's a pretty sweet read. Um, the, I should say the criticisms of of this book before we go into it and talk about it. The um, The criticisms of this book, not theologically, but the criticisms of this book are that in the Greek, these four words, storge, eros, agape, and uh, phile, aren't always used exactly like C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis really puts them in a box and says, this word phile is, is brotherly love, brotherly love only. Uh, this word agape is, is divine, true God love, true God only. And there's, to, to be quite honest, there's, there's quite a bit of overlap of these words in the Bible as far as the Greek words and how they were used. For instance, um, in the book of 1 John, if you were to look at uh, verse 420, it talks about um, love for a brother. Uh, Let's see. I'll just read it very quickly. For anyone who does not love his brother. And that word love there is, you would think it'd be phile, the the, the word for brotherly love. And we'll go over all these words in a second. Um, But it's not. It's agape. It's a God love. And, and there's other verse, verses that talk about our love for God, being a God lover, like in Second Timothy. In that word, it should be agape, loving God with agape, but it's it's philae, loving God with a friendship kind of love. And so I say all that just to say that um, the Bible isn't um, the Bible isn't a theological text on love. This is a theological text on love. It's, it's about the four loves, all narrowed down. It's great theology about love. It really is. But the book of First John, and I said, I said the statement that the Bible is not a theological textbook. And it's really not. And here's what I mean by that, because that might confuse you a little bit. The book of First John is, in fact, a letter, right? It's a letter from a dude named John. You know, John, the disciple of Jesus, it's that guy. It's the same guy that wrote Revelation. It's the same guy that wrote uh, the Gospel of John. It's the same guy that was a fisherman and then becomes a disciple of Jesus and then becomes one of Jesus' top three disciples. This is a letter from this guy as an old man after Jesus had died and then resurrected. It's a letter from him to a bunch of Christians encouraging them about love, about agape, and the word agape, every single time the word love is used in the book of 1 John, no matter what its context, it is the word agape. In fact, I even went to my Greek, to my, I have a, like an interlinear Greek Bible, uh, Greek New Testament, and I went through and underlined um, and highlighted all the times love was in there. And every single time, it is the word agape, not any, uh, any of these other four words. But I tell you that just to kind of give you some overview about the theology of love. Kind of make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, what? <laughs> That's what your faces looked like. Um, but anyways, the, John. I kind of want to share this story, which is, it's really a story about John, who John is. And, and some of this is based off tradition. It's not in the Bible. His death is not recorded in the Bible. But um, John was one of the only disciples not to be persecuted to death by the Roman government. All the other disciples, Peter, uh, James, Peter, for instance, did you know how he died? By tradition, it says that Peter was died, he was crucified, And, and as he was being crucified, like Christ, being nailed to the cross, he said, it's not honorable for me to die in the same way as my Savior, and so they crucified him upside down, and they killed him because he was a Christian, he was going against the Roman government, and they killed him. Other Christians at that time were put into coliseums with gladiators or with lions. Um, and it was just a sad time to be a Christian, to be a strong Christian, because you were killed. And John is, is supposedly died on the island of Patmos. You know where Patmos is? It's in the center of the Mediterranean Sea, and it's not like a Caribbean vacation resort island. It's a prison island. People went there because they were exiled from the Roman government to this island. It was like a prison island. And so you live there under surveillance, under the Roman Empire, and it's there where John dies as an old man. And the story is, is that John is in the cave, and like many of us that will get old, like many of us that know older people, their bodies begin to shut down, they become very old, John went blind, John um, was very tired, didn't have too much time for conversation, supposedly he lived in a cave and was guarded by some people, but he was allowed visitors And people from all over the known world who were Christians would come and visit John. I mean, think about it. If you were alive around 65, 75 AD, wouldn't you want to go visit John? If you heard about this man named Jesus who was a savior of the world, who was God himself, and there was still someone around that was one of his original disciples, wouldn't you want to go to Patmos, no matter what it cost, uh, sail there to this island, walk around, try to find John? And once you found him, you would have all these questions. Like, oh, what was Jesus like? Did he laugh? Did he cry? Uh, what, What was he like? What was it like when Peter jumped out of the boat and walked on water? What was it like when he healed that blind man? What was it like when, oh, just tell me all, just tell me everything you know about Jesus, because you were there. Not only were you there, you were his disciple, and you were one of his top three disciples, one of his best friend disciples. It says in the Gospel of John that, John was the one whom Jesus loved the most, the beloved disciple. And so wouldn't you want to meet him on this island of Patmos? So you go into this cave, and it's said that he only had two things he told people. He was old, he was tired, all of his life, all of his ministry, everything he knew, all his theology, boiled down to two phrases. In the Greek, as an old blind man, he would say, agape theos. And then he would say, agape a la luz. Love God, love one another. That's what he had. That's his message. That's John's message. As an old blind man, his whole life into two phrases. Love God and love one another. And I think there's a lot of truth to that story. It's That story is not recorded in the Bible. It's more of a, a tradition of, of what we think about John and how he died and there's there's some written um, evidences that he was that he did say that and he was in a cave like that. It's not in the Bible though but there's plenty of evidence I mean look how many times I, I went through my Bible and highlighted in green every time the word love is used in the book of First John it's ridiculous. I mean if you could see this page it's like covered in green highlighting of, of the word love that John was so into this word agape, loving God and loving one another. And so to to get back to the four loves, are you ready to get to the four loves? Turn to your neighbor and say, yes. The four loves, these are the the four Greek words used in the New Testament for love. And C.S. Lewis at the beginning of this book breaks it down and says that the four loves um, are one of two things, either a need love or a gift love. And all, uh, all four of these types of loves, I'll write them right here, fit into the category of either being a need love or a gift love. Storge, fillet, whoops, man, this pen's running dry, eros, and agape. You could kind of see that, right? Man, that's embarrassing. It goes from, like, huge to small. and I'm always embarrassed after I write. Maybe I should practice that or something. Um, anyways, C.S. Lewis says that all the loves can be broken down into either a need love or a gift love. He says that these four, these first three, are, are all need type of loves. And he says that the last one is a gift type of love. And what does he mean by all that? Well, he says that the need love is a type of love that comes from our desire, comes from needing something. Maybe not in a selfish way, but just our desire. For instance, coffee. I could say I love coffee, right? No one would look at me crazy for if I said I love coffee. It, my love for coffee comes from a desire, maybe even a need to have a cup of coffee in the morning. If I don't have a cup of coffee in the morning, I get a headache and I'm all grumpy. And if I was teaching Sunday school without the cup of coffee, I'd be like, ah, blah, 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 hey, let's just all go home. That's what would happen. And I, I can almost guarantee it. Um, because it comes from a desire inside of me that I don't already have, um, that I need coffee, this desire for coffee, this need for coffee. And so I love it because I'm, I desire it. Do you, do you understand that type of need, love? And as, as I explain these, it'll, it'll make more sense, I think. Storge, if you're writing a definition, put affection. Storge, affection. I need a new pen. Let's see. Oh, I spelled storge wrong. Huh? Get out of here. It's storge. Yeah, there we go. Storge. Um, it's so much darker now. Uh, you, you wrote down affection. Afec- that's the word affection. Man, that's embarrassing. Storge is affection. And uh, that's embarrassing. Um, it's mainly the love between uh, a parent and a child, or a child and a parent. This type of this Greek word is used to describe a child that that runs into mommy's arms and loves mommy. And C.S. Lewis would describe this as a need love. And so what C.S. Lewis would say is that when a child gets hurt, like child falls down and gets a boo boo, uh, starts crying, runs to mommy for affection, to be held, to to kiss the boo boo, to put a a, a Band aid on the boo boo, right? That's just what kids do. Kids love their parents. They need that affection, and I mean, not in a selfish way. What's What's hard to get? What C.S. Lewis describes over and over again is that this is not a bad kind of love. This is not an ungodly kind of love. It's just a type of love that comes from a need or a desire. A child needs a mother or and a father. Someone to take care of them, right? In the same way, the mother, um, C.S. Lewis would say, has something built inside of her. Mothers and fathers have something built inside of them that says, I need to take care of my kid. I have this need, this desire inside of me to take care of my kid. And he has a pretty graphic um, example of, of a woman that, that um, is, is nine months pregnant and about to have a baby. That she either has to give birth. I mean, if she can't, at nine months pregnant, she can't refuse to have the baby at that point. I mean, it doesn't just go away, right? Um, if you know anything about biology, it just doesn't. <laughs> you can't just decide not to have it. And so you need to have the baby. It comes from a desire, a parental internal desire and a need to, to take care of your baby. Not in a bad way, not in a selfish need way, but just it is a desire, a need love. And the next one is uh, philae. Philae, who knows what that one means, you know? Yeah, brotherly love, like the city of Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. Yes, um, write write down friendship. Friendship is philae, a brotherly type of love. In the ancient world, the ancient Greek world, they called this the the crown of happiness. The, that this was the best type of love, even above um, eros. Like like Plato would say, that to have a friend is even better than to have a wife. They would say um, they would say that friendship is just something that's a part of us, that we need. I remember my first friend um, when I was a kid. We lived in the country pretty far away from uh, other people, and we only had, there was like one house like a mile away. And uh, some kids lived there. One of the boys was my age. The other boy was my brother's age. He's three years younger. And we would play all the time and get dropped off over there, and they would come to our house and play. I remember the last time that we saw each other, because they were going to move, his dad was in the military, so they moved. And uh, they came over to our house for a last dinner, and to play, to hang out, and it was the same week that the original Nintendo came out. you remember the original Super Mario Brothers? Bam, 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 You know that? Is so, that? I mean, this is a long time ago, and so uh, I, I'm really old uh, that I remember that. Um, and so we were playing this game, and then and then we, were, I was kind of like, well, let's go do something else. Let's play in the tree fort one last time. Let's go talk one last time. Let's go hike to the creek one last time because it's your last time that you're going to leave and we're never going to see each other again. We're good friends. And he, he just wanted to play Nintendo. <laughs> and I remember going downstairs and crying because I know as a, as a little boy, because I was going to miss my friend. And my mom found me. And, I, and as a kid, I didn't even know how to describe why I was crying. Why are you crying? I don't know. I'm just sad. And I, looking back, I was, sad, I was sad because I was going to miss my friend. And he was into the Nintendo thing because it was cool and exciting. And, and he didn't want to play in the treehouse one last time or hike to the creek one last time. And I remember this feeling of, man, I need a friend. I just need, everyone has this desire, this internal desire that we have to have a friend. We need friends, right? It's part of our need. It's part of our desires as a human. And so phile is friendship. Eros is romantic love. And C.S. Lewis doesn't collide, uh Would would not say that lust would fall into here. C.S. Lewis would not say that sexual acts would fall into eros. He would call that Venus. Um, Eros he calls romantic love, love that's committed between uh, uh, two people that love each other in a romantic way. That's eros. And so, and then that he would also classify that as a need love. That there's something inside of us desiring to 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 be with someone romantically. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. Some of you don't admit it, but you do. We all need, uh, we need, there's different needs, there's different desires inside of us. Some of that's for a friendship, some of that's for affection, some of that's for a romance. And C.S. Lewis classifies all these as a need. And then the last one, um, agape, he says, is the one true gift love. And so I want to describe that a little bit and first say that, I guess pr- pr- propose the question, does God need anything? Or is God totally complete in and of himself? As Christians, we have to say that God is God, right? He has everything. He doesn't need anything. There's, there's a verse in Acts that says that God is not a man that he should need anything. If you want to look it up later, it's Acts seventeen twenty five. It's almost like this ridiculous statement that God would need anything. C.S. Lewis says, um, I was going to read this quote for you. It says, um, In God there is no hunger that needs to be filled. Only plenteousness, I don't even know if that's a word, but C.S. Lewis uses it. Only plenteousness that desires to give. The doctrine that God was under no necessity, He did not need to create is not a dry piece of scholastic speculatism. It is essential. It's essential to the Christian message that our God does not need us. He does not need us to be good. He does not need us to do anything. He desires it. He wants it, but He does not need it. Do you get the point? That it, he does not need anything because if we have a needy God, then it's a God that's not all-powerful, not all-knowing. But we do believe in a God that knows all, is all-powerful, has everything, does not need us for anything, need. He wants us, he desires us, but he does not need us. And so it's out of this that, that, that C.S. Lewis, and I think John is writing about agape, a type, a type of heavenly, a type of godly love that does not need anything, that God doesn't need to run to mommy if he gets hurt, Right? I mean, to use that ridiculous example, God is already fulfilled totally in and of himself. And so it is not needed that God should, should need anything. And so um, I wanted to kind of give you a, the definition of love, the, of agape that I have is having a deep, genuine, selfless concern, having a deep, genuine, selfless, selfless concern for someone over and above yourself. That's kind of my, uh, my wording of C.S. Lewis's and uh, just the, the idea of agape. And to give agape a lot of credit. I'll read that one more time. I see some of you writing. It's having a deep, genuine, selfless concern for someone over and above yourself. To give agape credit. As John wrote about agape, as Paul used the Greek word agape, it was really them that instilled this idea of agape into language. I mean, agape in the ancient Greek world was kind of used for this and that, and it was just like a word like we use love. It was really the Christians, John and Paul and Peter, writing about agape that defined it into Greek society. I mean, if you ask someone that's not a believer but's pretty smart and kind of knows their stuff, if you ask them, someone that's totally unchurched, hey, what's agape mean? It's a pretty good chance that they might say, oh, agape is a Greek word, that has to do with love. Has to do with a perfect divine love. It's a word that's used, right? I mean, maybe not amongst your your, your gangster friends, but um, but amongst your friends that maybe someone that's studying Greek philosophy, they would know what agape means. Maybe even some of your gangster friends would know the word agape. Nothing against gangster friends. I don't even know why I said that. What is a gangster friend? I don't even know. Um, let's look at. I want to. I want to show you what God has to say about love. Um, look, let's look back specifically at, at 1 John 4.10. 1 John 4.10. And it, right before this, it says that God is love. And then it says, This love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. Think about that statement. In, in the thought that God does not need anything, Did God need to come down and to, first of all, did God need to create us? No, he didn't need to create us. He did, though. Out of agape, he created us. Did he, after we messed up, because we all sin, we've all fallen short of God's glory, right? None of us are perfect, but God is perfect. And so so to be with God, to be redeemed with God, he he desires that we be perfect. But we aren't, we all mess up, right? We all, uh, we all have sinned. We all have messed up. And so we get to God because he sent his son to die for us. He sent his son that we might have eternal life. His son died for our sins, took the punishment of our sins. And so did God need to do that? Did God need to suffer to fulfill a desire in himself? No, he was doing it all for us. That's the gift love. That's the agape that John is talking about. It says that God is love. And it says that God sent His Son to die for us. And so a gift love has actions. Has actions that you give someone something or you give of yourself. And there's no return. You're not demanding anything back. You're just giving to give. You're giving not because you have a desire to to be with that person romantically. Like if you give someone a dozen roses, you're like, oh, that's precious. But there's really a desire to be with that person romantically. It's like C.S. Lewis uses the example of, of, of um, I think it's a great example, of helping people that are disabled or helping people that are, are in the special needs ministry, even here at New Life, that, that there's nothing they could do to give back. Maybe they can't even talk. Maybe they, they can't walk. But you helping them, there's nothing they can give back to you. But that in itself is a pure kind of gift love and agape love. And John doesn't limit that to God alone. John John in this book doesn't say, God's love is agape. Let's just sit around and and look at agape love. Ooh, isn't this a precious idea? Yes, it is, but it also demands reaction from us. It says in verse 12, uh, excuse me, 11, Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. Have you ever known, remember, you know that Sunday school song, like children's Sunday school, they will know we were Christians by our love. By our love, they will know we are Christians by our love. Have you heard that or is this me? You've heard it. Okay. Have you ever met someone and, and maybe you didn't say anything theological, you didn't say anything about the Bible, you didn't say anything about Jesus, but you knew that they were a Christian? Have you experienced that? I remember working for Pizza Hut, the same, the same company I was working for in, in, in college. Uh, the first night I was there, I was making pizzas, and there was a bunch of dudes also making pizzas with me and helping me and training me because I was the new guy. And they were just so nice to me. They, they were just filled. I could tell that they loved each other and loved their job and they loved life and they were just good guys. And We didn't talk about anything theological, nothing biblical at all. And I finally just stopped them and said, Are you guys Christians? And they said, yeah, we're, we're all Christians, all three of us. Are you? And I was like, yeah, we're all Christians. Because I knew. Don't you just know sometimes? that not that awesome that we do, as Christians, love each other with a love that's pure, with a brotherly love that's, that's more than a brotherly love, the agape kind of love? Have you ever sensed that? Have you ever, like, thought someone was a Christian and they turned out to be a Christian? I'm, are you cra- am I crazy? Have you, I've seen it a hundred times. I've seen it a lot. Um... And so I want to end with, with this story. It's a, it's a cool story about, um, about giving of yourself. It's, it's fairly short. One evening in a country village, a cottage caught on fire. A few sec- in a few seconds, the thatched roof and the timbers were ablaze. There was no fire engine in the remote place, and the villagers stood around helpless. Suddenly, a young man who had just arrived on the scene cried out, What? Can nothing be done to save them? When no one responded, he jumped through the flames, darted into the house. A moment later, he emerged, bearing a child under each arm. He had had carefully protected them from the flames, hiding them under his coat. He himself was badly burnt. The parents of the two children died in the fire. There was much sympathy for the two children in the village, and several people wanted to adopt them. When the judge arrived to decide who should adopt the children, there were two, two people petitioning in the court. The first was a squire of the village. He had money and position and a fine house to offer the children. The second petitioner was the man who had rescued the children from the flames. When the judge asked him, what right did he have to ask the court for the children? He did not answer with words, but instead he held up his hands that had been badly burned and scarred in the rescue and let them do the arguing for him. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we praise you right now for your true divine agape love for us. That there's nothing inside of you that needs anything, and yet you created us out of this agape love. You have loved us with a love that is pure. For no for nothing we could never give you back anything. I mean all we are We are nothing compared to you in all of your majesty. But God, we thank you that you have made us something. You have given us the gift of love. You have loved us even while we're in mistakes, even while we're in sin. You have loved us so that we can love you with a pure love, with an agape love and receive that inside of us. God, we ask you to help us love one another with that gift love, that perfect love, God, we praise you for that gift, the gift of agape. We praise you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for love. And everyone said, Amen.